Mr. James Seeley, where are you when I need you? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Now, unless you went to the same high school that I did about a half century ago, that name doesn't mean anything to you, but it does to me. He was a science teacher. Matter of fact, I had him two different times, both in my freshman and again for a different type of science class in my junior year. And there's one thing about James Seeley that just kind of sticks out of my mind. Intelligent, very good teacher, cared for his students, and he instilled some thoughts in my mind way back then that are still a part of me today. There was something about science, and he talked about it way back in 1968, 69, somewhere in there, about the scientific method. Now, why am I bothering to start a program talking about the scientific method? It's because in today's world, science is now led by the neck, by politics. Science is now subjected to both money and politics and not pure science. Something I learned way back in high school and And how many of my own generation have totally forgotten some of the basics about science. Science is actually one of those things that is legitimately fluid. Because we don't know everything about everything. Period. We know what we see and we try to construct experiments to prove our theories and our hypothesis. Our thinking that might be based upon observation and some of the laws of nature to which we have unraveled. There are some constants. Contrary to today's generation, and those that are new listeners, listen carefully, and those that have been regular listeners since we started this program daily a year ago and on the weekend six years ago, there are high school students today that have graduated They are high school graduates going on to colleges and universities in many cases. That if you tell them that 2 plus 3 equals 5, they say, well, that's just your opinion. Did you hear what I just said? And I've actually had this conversation with high school graduates. That 2 plus 3 equaling 5 is just your opinion. Everybody's opinions are valid. So if I, if I was to say, okay, so you're telling me that 2 plus 3 can equal 37, sure, if that's what you believe. And see, it's this kind of thinking about everything being ridiculously fluid with no evidence to back it up that today we're calling settled science. It's settled because that's where we want it to be settled. Not that science is actually settled on a consensus. Consensuses now are bought and paid for. Or you can lose your job if you don't believe the political consensus du jour. Now, why am I saying all that here at the beginning of the program? It's important that I get this out of the way real quick. In many ways, our students are not truly being taught science. They're being given a version of science, 
they're being given this claim of settled science on certain issues, which is far from settled. If you go back, my wife and I talked about this just a little while ago, before I started putting together today's program. I think the year was 1970. I'm a high school kid with a tape recorder. And I'm trying to learn the radio business and how to do certain things. And and it was a beautiful day in May on a Saturday when we celebrated what was the first Earth Day across the world and the globe in the United States. And many, many towns all across the United States, large and small, had special events for this new special day to help us understand and care better for our planet. Now, at that point in my life, it wasn't too troubling. It really wasn't troubling for a whole lot of people because we knew back then that pollution was an increasing problem all over the industrial portion of the United States and in many other areas. People knew in California that you had smog from from the exhaust pipes of cars. People in Ohio had seen the Cuyahoga River catch fire. People near Buffalo, New York had the Love Canal disaster. And we can go on and on with all of these pollution issues. I can remember when I was probably in the eighth grade, a teacher there played us this song, which kind of um, reminded us about the problems we were facing. In the, This is a satire song, and it came out in the late 1960s. Listen, it's really short. Listen to this. If you visit American City, you will find it very pretty. Just two things of which you must beware. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Pollution, pollution, they got smog and sewage and mud. Turn on your tap and get hot and cold running crud. See the halibuts and the sturgeons being wiped out by detergents. Fish gotta swim and birds gotta fly, but they don't last long if they try. Pollution, pollution, you can use the latest toothpaste. And then rinse your mouth with industrial waste. Just go out for a breath of air and you'll be ready for Medicare. The city streets are really quite a thrill. If the hoods don't get you, the monoxide will. Pollution, pollution, wear a gas mask and a veil. Then you can breathe long as you don't inhale. Lots of things there that you can drink, but stay away from the kitchen sink. The breakfast garbage that you throw into the bay, they drink at lunch in San Jose. So go to the city, see the crazy people there, like limes to the slaughter. That recording came out in 1965. I heard it for the first time probably in 1967, maybe 1968. Tom Lear 
the album was called That Was the Year That Was, a, a bunch of political satire songs talking about the news of the day. And, and let's be honest, in that period of time, in the mid to late 1960s, as I mentioned before, the idea and the worries about pollution were everywhere. We knew that we were throwing in toxic waste and chemicals into our rivers and streams, and, and it was not going to be sustainable. And I agree with that. The Bible teaches we should be good stewards of this earth. And I think throwing toxic waste into a river is not being a good steward. So let's agree right there. So the mindset at the time, 1960s, early 1970s, we have to deal with our pollution. So enter Earth Day 1970, young guy, me, my little woolen sack, battery-operated, five-inch reel tape recorder. And I'm out there trying to talk to people and get some interviews that are going to be used in a little presentation. I think I'm like barely 16. Just getting started. Radio's my dream. And I listened intently, as anybody that age would. I mean, it was an impressive day in the small little town that I lived in in upstate New York. Big flatbed trucks with a rock band. Big speakers. Lots of activity. Lots of things to see and do. And some speakers that that talked about the world of tomorrow and how things could be made better, and also the things we must fear today. There was a guy that spoke about the world if we don't do something now. If we don't take proactive action immediately, what our world will look like in 10 and 20 and 30 years. Now, remember, 10, 20, and 30 years would be 1980, 90, and the year 2000. So here he is, this professor, and I'm almost positive, memory serves me on this one, he was from Cornell University. And apparently he was speaking at several of these Earth Day events across parts of upstate New York, from our area near Lake Ontario down to the southern tier where he was. So he's making about four or five stops during the course of the day. And he got in front of that microphone and his voice blaring out on those PA speakers. I'll never forget this. As he talked about the coming winter of our lives. And he said, because of pollution, because of what we are doing, we are plunging the earth prematurely, prematurely, into an ice age, one that may last for a incredibly long time. And it'll be a man-made ice age. Now that you hear what I'm saying, ice age. He talked about this region in which we lived in upstate New York, which I always teased it had two seasons, winter and 4th of July. It's not quite that bad. But the winters can be rather cold and snowy. Fall comes early, and spring comes late, and the summer is short-lived. 
It is just the nature of being in that part of upstate New York. But when you live there, you never think twice about it. That's just how it is. But he talked about the day that our idea of our our spring, summer, and fall would just be nothing but a tiny spring and a fall with no real summer in the middle. And our winters would be longer, colder, and darker, just like Alaska, because of man-made pollution. We were going to freeze to death. And the one thing that I'll never forget, among many things that he said that day, that he said all the research that has been done to date say that by by 10 years from now, those warm tropical days in Florida will give way more to like weather we experience perhaps like in the Carolinas. And, and by the year 1990, snowfall will be a regular event at Miami Beach. And by the year 2000, the weather that is terrible in upstate New York will be what Florida gets, and we'll be living like in the tundra if we don't do something right away. And the solution at the time was landfills, and they were already talking about fossil fuels. They were already talking about oil shortages because, you know, we've we've already reached the peak of oil production. There's no more left. And in no time, there'll be none coming out of the ground because it'll just all go totally dry. Nothing left. We already knew the oil fields of, of Pennsylvania and southeastern or eastern Ohio were dried up. They were still drilling in Texas and Oklahoma, but they too were, were going to be in peril and will be dependent upon the ever-depleting supply of oil coming to us from a very unstable Middle East. This is 1970. Be prepared that we won't be able to drive our cars by the year 1985 or 1990. We'll have to find alternate methods of transportation. You see the fear-mongering already back a half century ago. And many of these people, I'm certain, believed what they were what they were saying, or they were being paid quite well to say what they did. When you're being funded to find an answer, and they give you the answer before they give you the funding, what do you think people are going to do? There's a podcast that I occasionally get a chance to listen to. It's called Just Right. It comes out of Canada, and I may. Not today, but I may share an excerpt from one of their broadcasts. And I really enjoy some of the things that I hear. It points out some of the fallacies and inconvenient lies that we've been told for a half century or more. So if you go back to 1970, 51 years ago, we were told we're going to freeze to death. But see, here's what happened. It didn't happen. In fact, as the 1970s progressed, if anything, the temperatures had a slight warming trend or they stayed pretty steady. By the 1980s, I can remember what the weather was like where I was living. It was fairly consistent year to year. There wasn't this sudden cold turning 
and freezing. Miami Beach didn't see the regular snowfalls when the year 2000 hit. I know, I was living in Florida at the time. We were never worried about snow. We weren't even worried about having heat in the house. When I moved, when I moved to Florida, this is true. This is 1998 that my wife and I moved to Florida. I became the pastor of a small mission church that was in real need, along with some other work to keep keep us afloat. I can remember we bought this small house in the little town of Venice, Florida. Not in the city, but it had a Venice, Florida address. Older neighborhood, small houses built probably in the 1960s, early 70s. And when I bought it, I got it at a very good price, but I also knew that the the heating and air conditioning system was on its, shall we say, on borrowed time. And the price reflected accordingly. And so there in 1998, we moved into the house. Now, the air conditioning, we bought the house in May of 1999. We had been down there with a small rental house for about six months prior. And so the air conditioning worked rather well. I was very pleasantly surprised. And so we got through that warm summer, which is typical of Florida. You know, you can have a Florida forecast in that part of the world. High today of 94, low tonight of 73. Chance of rain, 30%. It just, that you can just run that forecast with the exception of an occasional hurricane for basically six months. And that's what it was like. Then the fall came. And fall there really is like November, maybe early December, where the temperatures have cooled off and the daytime highs are in the upper 70s, low 80s. Nighttime lows are in the upper 60s. Then you hit the dreaded winter of Florida for about anywhere from two days to two weeks, maybe maybe a month. It varies a little bit, depends upon the jet stream. Well, that first year, it never really got cold enough for us to worry about turning on the heat. And I never even tried to turn on the heat because we frankly didn't need the heat. The the global freezing predicted for Florida and snowfalls just, just never materialized in the year 2000. I think it was the year 2000, maybe 2001, we finally replaced the heating and air system because, well, the cooling part just didn't work. And I remember when the guy came to look at it, he said, how long have you guys been without heat? I said, I don't know. I've never turned it on in the last two years. Well, you'll have heat now. Ironically, we did need heat occasionally in 2003 and 2004. Not much. But in other words, it wasn't this dramatic 30 years from now, the world's going to freeze over. Now, we all know the story and how it really ends to a degree. I think we all understand. Let's see, by the 1980s, all these headlines of global freezing, man-made winter, 
were falling apart. Time Magazine's cover, the coming Ice Age, all of these things, all of these news stories that were beaten into my generation and Generation X just didn't happen. And so by by the early 1990s, nobody talked about global cooling or global anything. We just talked about overpopulation and how with too many people we'll starve to death because we can't grow any crops by the year 2000 or whatever. So what happened? What always happens in nature? A cycle comes through and we start getting some warmer weather in the late 1980s. Nothing dramatic. I can remember as a young child in Long Island, we had some very cool summers, evenings. And some of the really older folk then, probably born in the 1800s, would say, enjoy it while you can because they could remember when it was a lot hotter. And sure enough, it got that way again in a cycle, 30-year cycles. And so the weather got warmer. So what did the narrative become starting in 1989, the first time we start hearing this 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 term, global warming. We're going to kill ourselves with global warming. We're going to burn up the earth with global warming. We're going to starve to death because of global warming. Too much population, no crops. By the way, I know I want to welcome some new listeners to the program, new stations, new places. Been hearing all of a sudden from KYAH, and I want to thank you, those of you in Utah, And thank you if you're listening on KVOH out of uh, Simi Valley Rancho, California, shortwave station covering right into Texas, Utah, uh, New Mexico, even into Florida, Louisiana. I'm having people saying they're hearing it in Virginia, North Carolina, and even places farther north. Thank you. If you're hearing it on 9975 at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 Pacific, let me know. Also, WRMI, we are on four nights a week at 10 p.m. Eastern on 5950. We are on five nights a week at 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. on two different frequencies. 5 p.m. is 5950 and 6 p.m. 9395. If you're not a shortwave enthusiast, I'm just trying to let people know we're on a number of times. And we're also as a podcast. And I'm also have moved my primary podcast site, still keeping the others for now, to Podpoint, which is a Christian podcasting site. And I think that as we figure out the best way to use it, it's going to be a good asset for the program. So for those that listen as a podcast, we're, we're rapidly developing our usage at Podpoint. But now getting back to what I was saying, by the way, if you are listening for the first time, our website is truth2ponder.com. Truth2ponder.com. So what am I trying to tell you? I'm just trying to give you some pragmatic information here. There's no doubt the term follow the science is a joke and a fraud. Let me say it again. When anybody says, follow the science, they're frauds, they're phonies, they're fakes, and they're liars. Because, see, they have 
claim we have settled science on this, that, and the other, from the coronavirus to global warming to climate change to whatever, it's all settled. That's what they told us in 1970. It's settled science that it's going to freeze. It's settled science. Settled science that, you know, three million people were going to die last year of the coronavirus in the United States by the time July hit a year ago. That was the settled science of the day. And none of it was true. What used to be at one time in our history... That's why I talk about James Seeley, my science teacher. He always said, challenge science. Because we learn something new every day. I think to him, in 1970 and 1972, the idea of science being settled was an anathema. It's never settled because it's constantly seeking new, improved, and more accurate information. It doesn't freeze because politics needs it to freeze at this point in time. What do you think? This is Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. This program, it does vary from day to day, and I've got some guests I'm trying to get lined up in the next couple of weeks to bring to you again. And I hope that this program helps you because, number one, we come from a Christian viewpoint, a Christian worldview. We are good stewards of this earth. I'm not here to trash it or destroy it. None of us should. But I'm also not going to worship this earth. I'm going to worship the creator of this earth. That's most important. Try to go through the headlines of the day and an occasional story here and there that gets missed to help you understand the challenges we're facing. When I come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to change gears entirely. And I'm going to look at, I don't want to use the word prophecy. I'm going to be very careful. I don't consider myself a prophecy expert by any stretch of the imagination. But I know those that know more than me. I know enough from my study of scripture when I train for ministry to have a general idea. And there's some that are more specific. But when you look at global warming climate change, when you look at pandemic, when you look at the Middle East, when you look at how the nations are rebranding themselves, I think there's some biblical prophecy coming into play. We'll talk about that in just a moment. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Apostles' Confession. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Rabbi Shaul, whom we know as the Apostle Paul, wrote an amazing thing in 1 Timothy. He says, it was at the end of his life, he wrote, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul was saying, in effect, I was wrong. I was not just wrong, I was totally wrong, unequivocally, absolutely, totally, 100% wrong. 
I was wrong about the Lord. I was wrong about the Bible. I was wrong about Judaism. I was wrong about religion. I was wrong about my life and everything I was doing. I was wrong, dead wrong. He not only said that at the end of his life, he undoubtedly said it and acted on it and manifested it and lived it from the moment he encountered God on the road to Damascus. It all started there with three holy words. I was wrong. Had he never been able to say those words, he would have never been forgiven. Had he never been able to say, I was wrong, he never would have been given a ministry. He never would have been able to preach the word or proclaim the gospel or declare it in the synagogues or to the Jewish people or to the Gentiles or be an apostle or write the epistles or change the world. In fact, everything he ever said or wrote, the book of Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, all rested on three initial words, I was wrong. Therefore, those three words must be very powerful. It turned the chief of sinners into the foremost of apostles. How much more can it do for you? Don't fear saying I was wrong because those very words in the grace of God will set you free from the old and open up your life to the healing and glory of God. And it all begins when you say, I was wrong. Want more? Ask for the power of being wrong. Now, how'd you like to receive special daily meditations and teachings with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus and give you victory for every day of your week and updates on Israel, world events and prophecy, a free subscription to Sapphires and the incredible, the mystery of the temple doors, all free. You'll love it. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. And I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, at Box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, zip 07644. I'd love to hear from you. It's The Nice Jewish Boy. It's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah, Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two truth to ponder it's a thursday it is the 15th day it's the middle of the month of july where has this year gone where has this year gone before i get back to some of the topics at hand i wanted to share some thoughts that came to me uh, as we went into the break i was talking to a friend of mine the other day you know, via messaging he lives in the caribbean he operates a small radio station in the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. It's a little FM radio station licensed to St. Charles Nevis. And he covers a little bit of territory on, on that island. And I was talking to him about a couple of things in the back of my mind that I just think that I'd like to see him expand his ministry. So I'm going to ask you to kind of pray with me to help him. I've got some thoughts. I haven't quite figured them out. Believe it or not, he airs this program in Nevis on his FM radio station, Praise FM 99.3. He just airs the weekend version, which is the Friday and weekend version. But I'm thankful for even that opportunity to share with other people even outside of the United States and Canada and other places that we're reaching. It's nice to know we have that reach now 
even on on the island of Nevis, part of the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. Now, the reason I talk about these things is we're, we're living in a very unique time. And I believe that radio is going to become increasingly important as the Internet becomes increasingly stifled to find information. I've talked about, since the beginning of this program, my fears of using just a podcast. And I'll get to that in a moment. And why? And what my thoughts are moving forward. And some interesting letters that I've received from from you over the last several days. I'm not going to get to all of them. I'll get to more of them tomorrow if I don't mention anything that you've written. Just a lot going on. If you believe in the ministry, find out more about who we are, especially if you're a new listener, new station. Just happen to find us on the dial or as a podcast. Our website is truth2ponder.com. Truth2ponder.com. We're also running an online radio station that's also available on satellite. A lot of work needs to be done on the music, I'm telling you right now, and I'm reaching out to some friends of mine to give me a big hand on what I can do with the music. And I believe someone's out there that can help me sort through these files that I've got to find out what should be kept, what should not, how to rotate them. And uh, if, if somebody could help me, I'll get it all to you as fast as I can. If you believe in this ministry, the money that we raise anytime that you give any financial help, just so you know, is just to buy airtime. God is taking, look, I'm retired. I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich at all. But God has met our needs. And people will say, well, Bob, you have two homes. You don't know the story of how inexpensive the one in Georgia is and why it is actually kind of a necessity for the time being. As we have other family members needing to spend a lot of time in our home in Florida. So this allows us to do the work we need to do without being on top of each other. And God opened the door for this place a number of years ago out of nowhere at a time when I was an interim pastor back up here in Northeast Georgia. And so it was just like a wise move with some savings and retirement things that were getting nothing anywhere else. And so here we are. It's a small little place. It's a tiny little condominium. And that's all it is. Little loft. It's got a main room and a, and a basement bedroom and my office, which is where I'm coming to you from right now. And we have literally next to nothing in it. God opened the door as he can open doors for you as well. If you believe in this ministry and the airtime bill and helping us keep it on shortwave, you know, every month we have to raise the money to be you know, to pay certain bills. And normally about this time of the month, we start reminding people that coming at the end of the month, you know, we have a bill for this, a bill for that, and a bill for the other. And God has been faithful from day one. We've expanded a little bit. And if that's if you want to help with that, wonderful. But only do as God has, you know told you to. Don't don't do it because I'm asking you. And don't think you're doing it to help me. You're not. I could easily just say tomorrow, I'm done. I don't need to be doing this and I can enjoy my retirement. But the Lord has laid this very strongly on my heart. So this is why I do it. Because there's some things that I believe and I'm going to talk about 
in this segment that I think are urgent that you need to hear. If you believe in the ministry, our mailing address, we're in Georgia, we'll be here for a month or two, is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane. Then you add the number 263. That's our special secure box they give us up here. Number 263, very tiny community. Number 263, Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Once again, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. And if you decide you can help us financially and you make out a check, you can just make the check out to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. That's kind of the ministry I founded a number of years ago, which I'm placing this program underneath. Ancient Word Radio. And I'll tell you more about Ancient Word Radio another day. If you want to find out, just go to ancientwordradio.com. It's sacred music 24-7. That's ancientwordradio.com. Our website for this program, truth2ponder.com. Truth2ponder.com. Now, getting back to my friend in the Caribbean and then to some of the letters you've been sending which have been very encouraging. There's something about certain places in the Caribbean that I think are very important, including places like Belize, which is, you know, on the Isthmus of Mexico, heading down toward Panama, that that region down there. Shortwave radio, I think, is viable and vital and necessary. And as you've seen in Cuba, when anybody begins to rebel... It's not just that they limit what you can see on the Internet. They just pull the plug on the Internet. Then you're not talking to anybody. No Facebook for you. No Twitter for you. No nothing for you. No instant message for you. The phones, nothing works. As they try to silence those that are tired of living under communist oppression. Oppression hates resistance. It despises it. Satan doesn't want to be challenged. And no matter how you cut it, our nation, if something doesn't happen to give us a period of respite, we are heading in the same deadly direction. Politics has now taken over science, which now has taken over living our lives in fear and subjection. The pandemic, you know it and I know it, was a dry run to see how far how far the world could go in crushing your freedoms. When have we ever done anything like this? They told us up front, they lied to us up front, they used fraudulent data up front to scare us all into believing that millions were going to die in the United States in just a matter of months. I came out of retirement when I was told that to work in emergency management in another state, and it didn't take me but about three months to figure out this is all baloney. It's nonsense. And I also could see firsthand how people that were, let me give you an example. Can't tell you where or who, but I'll tell you that one of the, one of the quote, corona victims where I was serving. We were told to expect 3,000 people dying in a short amount of time. 
And so we were preparing accordingly. One of the first victims of the coronavirus. Guy was 86. Three-pack-a-day smoker. Alcoholic. Cirrhosis of the liver. Could barely breathe from COPD. Had been in and out of the VA hospital, I think, five times in the last, like, nine or ten months prior to him coming down with what looked like pneumonia. And because the classification had been changed to how we could assume a death or a coroner or hospital or doctor could assume a death, this guy was our first COVID death. And everybody's in fear. Somebody's died in our county of COVID. And nobody bothered to tell anybody the guy was 86, COPD, four, three, four-pack-a-day smoker, alcoholic, burnt-out liver, could barely breathe, lived in a little mobile home shack, little single-wide, well-known to the medical community. They had thought he was a miracle that he had lived as long as he did, but he was the coronavirus death. You know that in some states like Ohio, by the way, I've had several people in Ohio reach out to me in the last couple of days. From the northeast part of the state, western and now southwestern part of Ohio. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's an area that we have both a good signal and a lot of people listening on podcast as well. But getting back to my, my thought. Looking at the state of Ohio, I just happened to run across their stat the other day. That's why I'm mentioning it. And it's pretty much universal or really close to it. What is the average age that somebody dies of pretty much any cause in the state of Ohio? According to a study that I saw, a report, statistics, it's around 73 for all causes. It may sound young, to some it may sound old, but that is the average age for all causes. Remember, my my first wife passed away from cancer when she was a lot younger. Others do too. So we're, we're looking at all things age 73. And in the great state of Ohio, what is the average age of somebody dying of the dreaded COVID-19? It's 83. See, this concept that was pushed out, that people can just be walking happily down the sidewalk and suddenly they're attacked by a coronavirus, they fall to the street and die, and people in hazmat suits have to run and pick up the body, was what was being thrown in our face late February, March, and April of last year, putting everybody in fear. So when, and these were phony videos out of China, by the way, they were not even real. They were staged. We know that now. But when they said, hey, starting this weekend, we got six days to get ready now or five days to get ready. We're going to go into 15 days to flatten the curve. We're going to have all non-essential people stay home. Essential people may work. Restaurants must close except for, you know, carry out. I can remember being in this large hotel when that happened, 
like a four-story hotel in a big city. And I think there are only about eight or nine people staying there, all of us working in emergency management. They just had one person on duty. They, you know, they didn't clean your rooms because we couldn't get near each other. It, it was just like, you know, this is the next two weeks in particular. And only a couple of restaurants had carryout food nearby. And I used to walk a distance to get anything to eat. And I go to a grocery store and then they started the face diapering. And I'm waiting to find all these people dropping dead because they went to the local grocery store or they, or they got gas or they, or they happened to walk to uh, some restaurant to pick up some takeout. Drive-in window lines, you know, they were way out into the road. And I thought, well, for two weeks, maybe this is worth it. Once again, we didn't know what we know today. Truth has a bad habit of working its way to the surface, sometimes slowly, maybe not right away. But the light of truth always, always comes through. Cuba showed us that the Internet can be shut down in a heartbeat. China filters it all the time, and the folks in North Korea, forget it. Forget it. If they even have Internet, if they're not starving to death, they only see what the government wants them to see. They are totally in isolation. Except for shortwave. Funny thing. One of the radio stations that we use for this program, WRMI, has a very special antenna that is aimed to go straight up toward the ionosphere to bounce directly back into Cuba and much of the Caribbean. And I don't know how much it's being used today, but with what's going on in Cuba, it should be. The day's going to come. We're going to need to have facilities, maybe even offshore, in a place like a St. Kitts or Belize or some other island. You know, in spite of all the turmoil, even Haiti. Because the Internet's not going to be dependable. Now, does that mean I'm going to abandon the Internet? Of course not. While the door is still open, of course I'm going to use everything out there. And that's why I've added... You know, PodPoint, a Christian podcasting site. Because I know that even though they're pushing it out to iTunes and Google and everybody else like Anchor does and Spreaker, and I'm, we're on all of this. So there are literally dozens of places that you can hear this podcast. But I want you to begin to look for what I call the, the pullback positions, which are going to be Anchor Direct or PodPoint. Because some of those platforms are going to look at this program and say, you have hateful and hurtful content. You're speaking misinformation about the Rona bug. You're saying mean things about Dr. Fauci and, 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 and what he knows. You're going against the science as we demand you believe it. So I know the day will come that one by one these platforms may disappear. Some radio stations, if we get out on domestic... I'm, look, I'm praying about some domestic stations. All across, see if you share this vision with me. I was thinking about this as I woke up this morning. I know this program has been all over the road today, and I'm sorry. It's just a lot of my mind. I can't even keep it all straight. I hear this word in my mind, community. Not a compound, but community. 
How do we stay connected? Well, for the moment, we start with the podcasting as we can and the website and all that goes with it. Our fallback position when all that disappears is local radio and the fallback beyond it is shortwave. Yet right now, while we have time in the midst of all this nonsense and proposed more lockdowns, listen, the next lockdowns, you know it and I know it'll be climate change lockdowns when they can't milk any more out of the coronavirus, when they can't come up with more variants to put us in fear. Yeah, the Delta variant. I'm looking at how many people are allegedly dying, assuming that they're dying only because they've had the Delta variant. It's kind of like a flat number. I mean, really? At what point do people begin to wake up and say and smell the fraud? A lot of people are. A lot of people are, are scared. A lot have taken the vaccine and they're saying, well, I've got the vaccine, so I'm not doing this anymore. The Democrats that flew out of flew out of Texas to, to D.C., they didn't have their face diapers on and they're still allowed to fly. I don't get it. All of this has been theater, optics, fear. But see, they've learned they can make you do certain things if there's enough fear with enough people. And so how much more will they milk this? Will they milk it more in the fall? I don't know yet. I don't have any kind of prophecy wisdom on that. I wish I did. And if I did, believe me, I would tell you. But here's what I do know. Those that worship the earth, something that the book of Romans chapter 1 talks about explicitly. Those that worship the creation or the creature, not the creator. They're the reprobates now in charge of our government. Let me say that again if you missed it. Those that are currently in charge of our federal government are the reprobate-minded people found in Romans chapter 1. And they've been given over to a reprobate mind to do unseemly, unnatural, and ridiculous and stupid things. And they're doing it. And one thing that came out last year, around the summertime, last year, I remember this, You know, there's been a positive side effect of all the global lockdowns. You may have missed this story. But I caught it and I'm going, oh, I can see where this will be used down the road. This is when I finally figured out how this was being blown up. Look, I know people that have died of this. I know people that have died of cancer, the flu, liver disease, and everything else at young ages and old ages. But the idea that The county I lived in was going to have more people die in four months than die in the course of a whole year turned out to be phony nonsense. And all the lockdowns were predicated on that information. But they kept going and going and going and going, cases and cases. With a PCR test, it could have an 80% fraud rate with too many cycle thresholds. Another story for another day. I dealt with it in my work. And I started seeing all this, and I started challenging the narrative, and I said, look, thank you for the nice paycheck. I really came here wanting to do good, but I'm realizing I'm not doing anything good anymore. I'm helping to push nothing but a political agenda. Science has been subjugated to money and politics, 
and we're being subjugated to phony and fake and fraudulent science. Science that is supposed to be settled because we demand it be settled because if it's settled the way we know at the World Economic Forum want it to be settled, then you become our subjects, you own nothing, and you'll be happy. That's where we're heading. Now, real quick, Middle East. You know, I I look at the Middle East. I look at the Jewish people of Israel. They're still God's chosen people. I know there's some ministries that I'm familiar with. I've even worked for a couple over the years that have turned their back on Israel. And I really believe to their own detriment. They're being deceived. While I recognize there's a tremendous amount of sin and evil in the state of Israel. Look at the Pride Month celebrations in Israel. That's all you need to know. The secular people of Israel. The leftists of Israel. I get it. But in spite of their sin, in spite of their shortcomings, in spite of it all, God made a promise to Abraham, and God is not a liar. And he's not a, oh, he doesn't take back his promises and say, well, I made a promise, but it was a pinky ring promise. I don't have to keep it. God does not do that. But to hear some of these people that I used to work for, you'd think that God is a promise breaker. When God is a promise keeper, God will deal with his people, Israel, in his own way, in his own time. But he still still holds them as his chosen people. This administration is going to cave in to Iran. Iran is going to be the biggest threat that the Middle East has ever seen. It's going to rise up. And we are... It started about, what, 10, 11 years ago under Obama when he started pulling the rug out from under Israel and he favored the Palestinian solution, which is the one backed by Iran. Iran wants nuclear weapons. Iran wants death to America. Iran wants Israel wiped off the face of the earth. And we are sitting around with a puppet in the White House and reprobates in government Pulling the rug on Israel. See, that's why Donald Trump was such a huge problem for the left. I mean, he was a big-time problem. He was an interrupter of their plans. See, they had wonderful plans in play. And then he moves the embassy to Jerusalem. He cuts off the deal with Iran. He pulls us out of the Paris Climate Accord, which is just designed to empower China and destroy the free West, putting us in subjection. I think that for that season, God used Donald Trump. I'm not going to say that he's some great person in God's kingdom and whatever. I mean, I don't, but God can use anybody. And Trump was a absolute interrupter of the satanic plans. And I think those plans can still be interrupted from time to time. Look, there's going to come that day that the Great Tribulation will arrive. Don't be deceived, my friend. It's coming. And it's coming sooner, sooner than you think. 
there's always been times of tribulation and turmoil. Look at World War II, World War I, look at the bubonic plague, look over history. There have always been times that look like Armageddon is at the door. And then Christ intervenes and we tarry just a little bit longer. The church is going to be changed entirely. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Tomorrow's program, listen, as a new listener, I try generally on Wednesdays, I didn't yesterday, but Wednesday and Fridays, I try to get into some messages of hope and redemption and how we move forward as people that live in Jesus Christ. I had a friend of mine had an idea. He said, maybe the age of the mega church is coming to an end. It's going to be the mini church. The alive church, the church that is persecuted, pushed underground, no longer loved, (laughs) no longer even respected by the world. You can already see that coming. There's a lot we have to do to prepare God's people for the things to come. If we get a period of respite, a little bit of a break, wonderful. If we don't, are you ready? That's part of the reason that we do this program each and every day. Monday through Friday. Tomorrow, I'll give you some hope real quick. Keep the idea of that radio ministry in St. Kitts in the back of your mind. I, I, I'm just beginning to th- think it out. It's one of the places that getting a an FM license is not difficult at all. Uh, there's also an AM that a ministry was supposed to have put back on the air back in 2016. Has never done it yet. They will cover all of the Caribbean, and it's so sad to see it just going to waste. Pray about it, too. I'll let you know more about it some other time. Right now, just want to thank those of you that have written. I've had some that say, I'd like to help you. Maybe I can help you with some of your research, some of your work, some of your paperwork. Oh, man, you don't know what that means to me. The little things that need to be done for this ministry. Just simply responding to some of the messages that I can't get to right away. When you're a one-man show with no secretary and no staff, it's not always easy and trying to keep ahead of everything make sure the bills are paid in a timely manner and this one project for shortwave gets done by the fall just a lot going on keep me in your prayers if you believe in what we're doing would you just send me an email and say Bob I'm listening I'm listening on this particular radio station at this particular time that would help and you can just write the email bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. It just comes directly to me. There's no stab. I've told you already. And if you believe in the ministry and would like to mail a check to Ancient Word Radio, it's 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We are in the big city of Sky Valley, Sky Valley, Georgia. And our zip code is 30537. That's 30537. Till tomorrow, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.